Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Super Tea Podcast Show. How is my audience doing? Hey, I have missed y'all so freaking much. Have y'all missed me? Life has just been on a like merry-go-round slash roller coaster. I've been my life has been a true carnival for the last freaking three months. And now I'm like, okay, I'm carnivaled out. I'm I'm ready just to I don't know make it a cruise (laughs) make it a cruise I have a buffet and I have unlimited drinks and I got the sunshine and I got all these great amenities I could sit in a hot tub jacuzzi if I want to I could sit in a pool I could sing karaoke if I feel like it like it's a cruise now my life is being um, transmuted from carnival to cruise so Come on and cruise along with me. You are listening to the one and only Super Tea Podcast show. And you know anything goes here. So you never know what I'm coming to deliver. But I'm going to touch on a point that is prevalent in my life right now. Um, So I want to talk about dating. And and I'm really considering giving some dating advice. I'm really like, really thinking about it. Um, Because I think that I would serve a very specific demographics. Demographics that is um, a mixture. A mixture meaning like they have old school values. They have good character. Um, and they are looking for something substantial. They're not looking for just a bump in the haystack. Oh my God. First of all, can I just put it out there that bumps in the haystack are like so easy to obtain. It don't take much. You put on a little cute outfit, you know, and go sit at a goddamn on bar. Dick is going to get, you don't even have to go sit at a bar. I mean, you just step outside. (laughs) if you step outside and put on a cute outfit (coughs) motherfucker is gonna throw dick at you put on a good outfit and the outfit is just not what you're wearing on the outside the outfit is what you're wearing in your mind so you have that confidence you got that oomph you got that sex appeal it's easy so easy it's so freaking easy so what i'm gonna need if any guys listen to this ever i'm gonna need you men to stop thinking that your dick is a prize i don't care how big it is how good it is how clean it is how healthy it is it is not a prize your dick is not the prize okay it's not the prize it's it's not it's not it's not the prize (laughs) but anyway before i um decide whether to really seriously go into that realm of giving dating advice, um, I am going to share my experiences. So if you've been listening to my show or if you're new to it, I'll just very briefly let you know. Um, I am an entrepreneur. I'm a legal hustler. Um, what that means, let me break that down to you. I find legal ways to make a buck, okay? Um, and... What else about me? I have a very diverse um, character because my foundation was very structured, very strict, very um, directed in a religious way. Um, 
And so marriage and, you know, the way a man treats a woman were things that were um, put into me foundationally through the relationships I've seen before me um, and through the teachings that I got at a very young age. And then I hit preteen and my living situation changed drastically where I went from structured, religious, um, living to um, an alternative lifestyle. And that alternative lifestyle, I was hammered in me that it was wrong but I didn't even realize because I was a child that I was being exposed to it until afterwards and um I mean it was exposed to me during but it was like after I had been there for at least like a year you know so it's like the the love that I felt in the first household I still felt that amount of love if not more in the second household and for me that's really all that mattered, you know? So when it was presented to me that there was an alternative lifestyle going on, meaning there were, instead of a man and a woman, it was uh, two women um, in an intimate relationship, I was like, oh, well, in my young mind, this is not what it was described to as me at all. This doesn't seem sinful. There's a lot to love here. Okay, well, hey, if that's what you're doing, I don't care, you know? cool (laughs) I'm worrying about my um algebra or something (laughs) until I wasn't (laughs) until because of the demographics because although I had those good things going on I still had the challenges of the hood life which resulted in a lot of I wouldn't say a lot of violence but yeah fought a lot and um That was something that was, even though I changed households, um, structures, um, in the first household was not a man and woman. The first household was a single woman, but a wise older woman who put, um, couples in front of me. And when I mean put couples in front of me, I mean like when we went to the religious events, you know, I saw man and woman, man and woman, man and woman, and a man and woman interacted good with each other. There was even a particular couple that she allowed to take me to events. And so I got to see how they interacted even when they wasn't in the um in the religious setting you know when they was outside of the religious setting and they were more just casual with each other and I was like oh that's amazing you know I'm gonna grow up and I'm gonna have family of my own and it's gonna be just like this you know amazing they can just get along and joke and do nice things for each other and love each other oh I can't wait to be an adult you know so even though that was what was happening in the first household, you know, um, I still had to go to school. I still had to deal with the environment of people, um, you know, just being themselves. And the way that I dealt with it was with violence, you know, I beat them up, beat people up. That's what I did. But I didn't just beat people up just to be a bully. I actually was the person who fought the bullies, you know, and I favored being, and I wasn't popular I didn't look for a lot of people to be around me you know I liked it the the quiet people the people I could relate to because I was always been a brainiac you know so that's what I did you know and then okay fast forward now I'm a preteen now I'm in a whole nother family structure at home where now it's not a single woman now it's two women 
and I don't even realize that these two women are intimate until they actually tell it to me and then I'm like okay well whatever you know but I'm still dealing with the the whole hood life of the fighting and however my academic gifts and skills took me out of that in school so my education was coming from a whole different perspective um, a very brilliant children um, different type of adults that appreciate brilliant children and look to to nurture that brilliance not dim it but actually enhance that light so I was dealing with that very diver- with diversity at a very very young age an age where I was still unaware of who the heck I was and um I had to deal with that on a daily basis and it it got very burdensome because it was like I can't I can't be the same hood me in school because then they would get rid of me (laughs) so I had to be different in school um I only had like one fight in my junior high school years and um that was all that was needed you know nobody like bothered it was like oh oh she's 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 a different type of nerd she's a thug nerd leave that nerd alone right there and, um, <laughs> but it was a lot you know it was a lot it was like you know I felt appreciated valued in school but then I would come home and the the, the atmosphere was very different and then my um the people that were caring my caretakers they shifted gears they went from um being with the same sex to then being with the opposite sex and then the opposite sex choice that they made was like the worst of the worst I mean they weren't horrible as far as being abusive but they were like my peer you know like I was 13 and their fiance was 18 and I was like what the fuck is going on (laughs) I had just given up on having a daddy and now you now you gonna make my brother my daddy I mean he wasn't really my brother but again he was like three years five years older than me we know how men mature okay we ain't gonna get into the details of that but we know that an 18 year old and a 13 year old sometimes have the same level of maturity if not the 13 year old could be advanced if they were an advanced 13 year old which I am gonna say I was an advanced 13 year old and because I was uncomfortable with the diversity of the atmospheres between school and between the neighborhood and between the family life all mixed together um I you know decided when it was time for me to go to high school and then something really drastic actually happened in middle school for me as well which kind of um gave me different perspective of life in general and I'll touch briefly on that um I was on my way to school one morning Um, I was always diva, you know, even as a little girl, I was diva and, um, I had on these penny loafers, I will never forget, but they was the penny loafers that had the little heel on them. So I don't know what possessed me to put these on in the middle of winter because I should have probably had on some boots, but I had on these penny loafers because I was like, I want to be cute and I always have a little shape. Well, I wouldn't say always, but definitely 13. I had it. I want to say, hmm. It started developing around 11. I was still IBTC, itty bitty titty committee. But <laughs> the hips and the bootay was dead. There was no tummy. So, you know, it's just like, I'm the ball. 
So I wanted to sit it up a little bit. You know, just a little bit. Just, just sit it up a little bit. Because the particular school I was in, which um, is still Midtown on 23rd Street. Uh, well, 20, 22nd. Then, yeah, 22nd Street and Lexington um, across from Baruch College. It's called School of the Future. That um, specialized high school for well, specialized school for geniuses. I'm going to just put it there. You're not going to downgrade my geniusness anymore. I'm 40 and fabulous. I ain't downgrading nothing, baby, okay? Of myself and of the facts of life that I have experienced thus far. So um, anyway, that particular specialized school starts at junior high but goes up into high school. So I had the option of staying there. And I mean, if I was mature enough, I probably would have stayed there. But anyway, I'm on my way to school. I'm traveling from Harlem at this time. Remember, I shifted. I'm no longer in Brooklyn. I moved households, total different dynamics. And um, anyway, I slip. I'll go across the street. I'll never forget 27th Street and 7th Avenue. And there was a hump in the street. And I'll go to step over the hump. And there was black ice. And I, bloop, went down. I went down. And when I went down, my hip said, pop, goes the weasel. And popped, my right hip completely popped out of the socket of the pelvis. So when I tried to stand up, I was just like, couldn't do it. And these two black men had seen it happen and they rushed over and they like pulled me up to my feet. And I was just like, ah, when I tried to walk, it was just like, what is this pain? And they like, it was, it was the way it happened was really some movie shit because I didn't, I didn't wait for, I, I didn't wait for longer than two minutes. I don't know how the cops were there that quick, but they were there that quick and they stopped them. They let them know that I had fell and they rushed me to, um, I believe St. Vincent's hospital and the hospital don't even exist no more, ironically and mysteriously and weirdly, but, um, <laughs> Talking about jumping timelines. I ain't going to get into metaphysics, though. I'm going to keep it very surface right now. So, anyway, they put me in the back of the car. They take me to the hospital. The hospital contacts my mom. My mom rushed down there. They're like, we got to do immediate surgery on her. They do immediate surgery that same day on me. Um, I don't... I want to know if they did both sides the same day. I'm not even sure whether they did both sides the same day. I want to say they did, though. Um... Because they said the other side was slipping. I don't really think the other side was slipping. And then now knowing that what I know, they could have like just popped it back into place. But that's not what they did. They put a screw there. They put a screw on each side. And then they sent me to this place called the Foundling Hospital for rehab. And I stayed there for like three months. I was in a wheelchair. I had to learn how to walk again. I went through all this intensive um, physical therapy. This is all in middle school. And I still was never held back. I still passed my citywides with like 90 something percentiles of the highest in the five boroughs and shit. Like I still did all of that. But... When it got to um, high school, I did not want to stay there. I was like, okay, I've been through a lot. I want to go somewhere new that is more, you know, that would more, 
I don't know, acceptable. I wouldn't say that School of the Future was not acceptable, but it was just really a lot of nerds, you know, and I was one of them. I'm not saying I was one of them, but it wasn't thug nerds, you know, like I wanted to be around thug nerds. I'm like, it's got to be thug nerds in the world. So, I mean, I applied to the top high schools in New York, Stuyvesant, um, I even applied to LaGuardia because I've always had my vocal skills <laughs> and um, I didn't get into any of them, <laughs> but I did get accepted to four Seward Park, um, Brandeis, um, Back to School of the Future, of course, and Maxwell and Maxwell was the one Maxwell was like, in my spirit, that's the one like I knew I needed to go to. And they and, and they accepted me there for music. So I was like, oh, this is amazing. And I was excited. And I told my mom. And my mom was like, no. No way you're going to travel from Harlem to Brooklyn every day. Because I don't want you on the train. Like, I got in trouble taking the train. Either the things I got in trouble for <laughs> was ridiculous. Like, I literally... I got to come back to when I was still in the middle school and I had these white friends and one of my friends, she wasn't white. She was, um, her name is Farika and she's actually, um, what's that girl who makes that song? My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. Kelly's Kelly. I, I think her name is Kelly's. She's actually Kelly's sister. They had both same mom and dad. Um, they lived the Huxley life. But, um, yeah, she was in that school and she was one of my friends. Farika was one of my friends, Diane and Aaron. I will never forget. So Diane was white, of course, and Aaron was white, of course. And we were just doing like middle school shit. We wasn't even doing nothing wrong. We wanted to go to the music store, which was HMV, which was on 86th Street. So I lived at the time on 151st Street and 86th Street is a midpoint. So the travel time, I was supposed to come straight home from school, but the travel time on the bus was way more lengthier than the travel time on the train. So I was like, well, I, as long as I'm in by a certain time, I'm okay. So I was out there with them and we just laughing and joking outside the music store. And my mother, who was, she was, she had a an issue with trains like I don't know what her issue was with trains but she had an issue with trains she was like afraid of them and she was you know hadn't dealt with a lot of her trauma god rest her lovely soul but she hadn't dealt with a lot of her trauma so unfortunately that I had to deal with that for the few years I stayed with her because I didn't begin to stay with her until I was preteen. but um anyway we ain't going into those details right now um she see me. She see me and I didn't see her. And um, they saw her. And, you know, I you would think they would be like, Takara, come inside. But they didn't. They got deathly scared and they just ran inside. And because we were already running and playing with each other, I didn't think anything when they ran inside. I'm so busy laughing. Like, <laughs> and then I hear a voice behind me and I swear she changed it. She did not. If I would have heard that it was my mother's voice, I probably would have never turned around. Probably just would have ran. No, what? No, I wouldn't have done that. That's something my son actually would have done. But me, <laughs> I might have. I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> but what I did do was I turned around, and when I turned around, 
Oh, my mother slapped the bun off of my head. I had one of those, you know, top buns off and braids. I will never forget that detail. And it was like all of the nerves shut down in my face, just went completely numb. And she was on her way. The ironic part, she was on her way to therapy. And she took me there. Her therapist was like, you should have never done that. She's like, fuck you, white bitch. I do what the fuck I want with my child. And yeah, that was, that was, so I got in trouble for taking the train. So Maxwell being all the way in Brooklyn was completely out of the question. She was like, listen, you only got two options. You either going to stay in school of the future, which again, if I was mature enough, that's where I would have stayed, but I didn't. Or you're going to go to the closest high school, which was not um, Seward Park. The closest high school was Brandeis. I didn't know nothing about Brandeis. You know, they paint a picture inside of the thing. We, we didn't do any of the go to the high schools, check them out. We didn't do any of that together. We didn't even go through the book together. I did that all by myself, people. So I didn't even know I was supposed to go visit the schools before making a choice. You know, I just made a choice based on what the brochure showed me. You know, the brochure made the shit look so great. So and I'm like 86th Street. It's got to be great. You know? No, it was not great. Brandeis was not great. I went in there. They had metal detectors. I was like, oh, shit. Culture shock for real. (laughs) I was like, why is there metal detectors in the school? Okay, whatever. Uh, This is what I got to deal with, um, which I didn't end up dealing with it for very long. Because after um, my first year, well, before my first year, I was gone. I was in regular foster care. I went from honor roll to just regular classes. And then I got pregnant. So, yeah, I was, I was, my life took a hole. So, I'm saying all that to say is that I have that, um, that edge of, um, I don't know, the edge of street, I want to say, for back of, for lack of a better term that's coming to my mind right now. But the class, because of the foundation, the structure and the foundation of the beginning is solid. Like, it's solid. So no matter what experiences, because I've had many experiences um, that I went through, I still had that foundation. And that foundation is something that is still within me. So with all of that being said, I still wanted to um, have a family. I still very much wanted to get married, even though I had a child out of wedlock and I had went through all the other different changes that I went through in the foster care system. So now um, let's fast forward. I did go back and get my GED. I did enroll in college. I was like, okay, I'm too smart just to not act like I'm smart. <laughs> but I still was, didn't have the support to actually make it a successful experience for me. And um, I also had the added responsibility of being a mother. So um, with all of that going on, um, my, my mother was still trying to somehow work on our relationship. And so she was communicating with the foster care agency back and forth. And I guess they wanted her to do classes. So she did the classes and I guess she went and did whatever they wanted her to do. And then it was like, okay, well now we'll just give her back to you. And she was like, well, I'm about to move. And she did, she was moving up to Buffalo and um, she's in college. 
I mean, she didn't even tell them that. She did not tell them that. She told me that. <laughs> she told them, okay, send her, send her, send her. And then when I got with her, she was like, so you're in college and I'm about to move. So what I can do is I can help you out with the baby. I'll take the baby up there with me. You stay down here in college and everything will be okay, okay? And I was like, okay. Still, again, very immature. It was not okay. I wasn't staying in a dorm in college. I was in foster care and they released me to her. Where the fuck was I supposed to live at and go to college at? Where? So I had to figure that shit out on my own. And I went to Covenant House. And after I went to Covenant House, they just put me in a regular foster, a regular group home in Staten Island now. And I had my little job. I was going to college. I was like, oh, I'm living my best life. I was only 17. I'm living my best life. Can't tell me. I'm not just out here, Lucy, and doing all of this, that, and the other. But I thought that I could have a life because I was doing all of the quote-unquote things a good American citizen should be doing, right? Going to school, going to work. Why shouldn't I go out and have some leisure too? But of course, the group home was like, leisure, bitch. You're in a group home. You need to be in here at 10 o'clock. And I was like, what? I just got paid. It's Friday night. I'm going out. <laughs> and um, that was not a new thing for me, even though weirdly and oddly it seems now realizing I was just 17, but I was doing it f- from 15, like, cause I had my first job at 14. So, and I got my GED at 14 cause I got it immediately when I left um, high school, which was in ninth grade. So weird, weird, weird. I always was working. I always would go hang out. Um, I would, but because I was in a mother and child group home initially, I was in the group home with my baby, um, before they released us to my mom, um, when I was 17, um, when I would go out, she would keep the baby. And so the group home couldn't really penalize me because it wasn't like I was leaving the baby there with one of the girls there or the staff there. I was, the baby wasn't there. So the baby was safe. So I could come in and they didn't like the fact that I was coming in after curfew, but there's really nothing they could do. You know, they would just write it up and who knows, they did put reports I found out later into the computer system about me coming in past my curfew. Um, But anyway, um, that's what happened. And so now I'm in a regular group home and I'm like, okay, cool. Um, And I know it seems like I'm getting far from the dating thing, but I have to put this out there because it will show you the authority that I have in why I am the way that I am and why my standards are the way that they are. And not saying that other people um, should not adapt these standards. But again, I believe that I can serve a very different demographic. You know, I, I feel that there's uh, I'm gonna get back to the the whole group home thing. It's not really that important, those details. But what is important is that there are a lot of people that um, come from a guarded um, religious foundation. And then they just start out in the world. Most of the time they start out in the world, probably while they're in college, away at college. Um, and, you know, then they like, 
you know, they still have those values, but now they're introduced to a whole nother way of life. And so they have to somehow incorporate the values that they already have as they adapt to the new way of life they're being exposed to. Some people do adapt to it. Some people don't adapt to it. Some people um, just become more of themselves. And what I mean by become more of themselves, I mean, they keep the good parts that they find in both atmospheres. They keep the goodness that they've had from the solid foundation. Um, and they also adapt the wittiness of, cause you gotta be quick and, and this, <laughs> and this worldly shit, because people come from all different angles, you know what I mean? And you won't know until you actually have those experiences. Oh, they're coming at me from an angle, you know, they, they, they will sound sweet and charming. They can even do sweet and charming things and convince you, convince your mind that they really are into you, but they really are after something from you. And most of the time it's sex, you know, or it's the status that you have, or it could even be the money that you have. They're after something. They're not really trying to get to know you individually as your individual self, you know? So you, you learn that. You learn that through experiences unless you had the luxury of having good, loving parents that hipped you to the game before you even had the opportunity to be exposed to it. Because when you, you're already hip to it from your parents and from your aunties and your uncles, then you already prepared. But I was not prepared for none of this stuff. So a lot of my lessons I learned the hard way. And, um, I learned quickly because I was smart, (laughs) but I learned the hard way, you know? So now fast forward, I got married at 19. Um, I ended up leaving school, going up there with my mom in Buffalo, meeting my first husband in Buffalo. Um, I'm not going to go into the details of how that relationship formed, but definitely he bamboozled me. Um, he was twice my age. He was 24 years older than me. So I was 19 and he was like 44. And, um, so I, again, immature, you know, although mature, you know, because of my intellect, I was advanced in many ways. So I had a job, I had my own place. Um, I was taking care of my household. Like I was doing all of that stuff, but I didn't know the first thing about what a healthy relationship looked like. I thought a healthy relationship just looked like, you know, um, having fun, um, having a provider, having someone you could trust. And that wasn't judgmental and having love. I thought those were the only things you know for a successful relationship and a successful relationship is so much more than that you know and um but I didn't know that I was 19 so um of course he was very patient um initially you know until I was locked in once I was locked in it was like all his true colors came out. He all of a sudden didn't have a place to stay. Um, he all of a sudden was not working. I all of a sudden was getting into physical altercations with the neighbors of the building. I was like, what the, f-? and I did, I just didn't understand. I just did not understand. And he allowed me to walk away from my three bedroom section eight apartment when I lost my job because I got arrested fighting. And 
you know, it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy, that was not love, that was control, that was manipulation, that was all of that, and then I just, like, I didn't know, I did I did not know until years later, when I had the opportunity to get it again, but when I got the Section 8 again, years later, after going through the shelter system, which shelter system was just repeat of foster care, but just being an adult, curfews and rules and you know crazy living conditions crowded living conditions with children now now pregnant in a in a small child going through that it was a lot it was a whole fucking lot that taught me a lot it has fortified me as the woman I am today which is why I can pretty much navigate through a lot of different things successfully because I had to pick up skills I had to be quick on my toes and I had to learn as I was going along the way (coughs) that being said yeah I found out years later that section 8 would have covered my rent but when you're in an abusive relationship they isolate you so you know I didn't know I didn't know that once I lost my job and I couldn't pay my little I want to say I was paying for something and the apartment was like direct it was so cheap oh my god um anyway um <laughs> we're not talking about that we're talking about dating i went through all of those things i stayed in that horrible relationship um i kept getting places while in that horrible relationship and he i would get away from him he would find me we'd get back together he became the support system that i didn't have with my family and um it was very very challenging but my the elder who actually put all of those good loving qualities solid qualities that are still a part of me in me she reached the ripe age of like 97 and when she left her body she came to let me know I was in Allentown Pennsylvania at the time and she came personally to let me know to get the heck up out of that shit and I followed suit I walked away again from apartment even knowing what it was but I had a place to go which was the very place my very first place I was in you know as a baby so I went there not aware of my blood relatives and how they were gonna go tooth and nail to get me to fuck up out of there because in their minds oh you just want to get in the projects and it's like who wants to just get in the projects the projects is an option for people that don't got nowhere else to go I don't know people that got a nice place and just be like, oh, I'm going to leave this nice place to go step in pissy elevators. Nobody does that. Nobody fucking does that. But in their mind, that's what I was doing. And I'm like, I just left a whole three bedroom duplex to get away from my abusive husband. And the lady who raised me just died. And could you please leave me the fuck alone? I got these two babies that I'm raising now by myself because now I'm getting a divorce from this asshole. And they're down at management like, Mm-mm, I don't know what she trying to take that apartment over for. She haven't been there for about 12 years you know she don't preserve that apartment that's what my blood relatives was doing who did not know anything of me so going through that experience (laughs) 
Of course, I developed trust issues. The very people who were supposed to be loving and supportive and all of that good shit as family members, they never provided that. They never did. They were judgmental. They were jealous. How are you jealous of a little girl? I, I was still very much, I mean, at that point, okay, I was in my early 20s, still young. But the the jealousy and the hate that they had towards me, of course, didn't have nothing to do with me. But they felt a way. They felt a way, I found out, from other family members since I was little. Like, oh, they didn't like how she dressed you. They thought that she just dressed you up too. She dressed me clean. I was going to church. What the fuck was I supposed to wear? Some, some corduroids, you know? And I had corduroids. But what the fuck did they expect me to look like? You know, my hair was dead. She kept me up. With, that's the thing you're supposed to do with a child. You're supposed to love them and keep them clean and keep them looking good. What the hell's wrong? They was, they was screwed up. They was just screwed up in their minds. And God rest their souls because a lot of them have went on. But they had issues. Issues that thank you by the graces I did not have to deal with. Although, as you can hear from my sharing, I did have challenges. You know, I just didn't have their challenges. <laughs> I had different challenges. So, with that being said, now I've been divorced since 2010. And yes, I have dated. Um, but I still, a lot of my time and energy has been put into raising myself son and the challenges because they disrupted my housing well not because they disrupted it but they influenced the disruption of the housing which forced me back into the homeless shelters quite a few times um while I was raising my son my daughter passed away um and I had to deal with that pain and then I had to deal with the foster care system because I previously dealt with them. So when they punched my name in, they was like, oh, we got a whole record of you. And I'm like, I didn't even have the articulation because I was grieving to say that record you have is of a child because I was a child. All I said was, okay. And whatever they told me, I went with until I actually found out why she passed away because it was unexpected. She was not diagnosed with diabetes and she went to a diabetic coma and it was so confusing to me because both of them had just been cleared for camp meaning they had went and got physicals a week before she passed away so I'm like what the fuck you just told me my baby was healthy and a week later she's gone and now these people are like well we're gonna hold on to your son till we find out why she's not here because some crazy shit happens in the projects and I'm like well you know what my intellect is like crazy shit do happen in the projects I know I didn't do no crazy shit but fuck it if this is what you need to do to make sure fuck it I don't care just keep him safe and keep him good and they did not keep him safe and they did not keep him good they put him in different places where he got sexually abused physically abused and all type of shit and then they threw him back to me all fucked up and then I didn't know what the fuck was really going on with him I thought he was just being um rebellious and dealing with his rebellion which I thought it was just rebellion not knowing it was these deep things that had happened and dealing with the housing thing all by myself it fortified me to a strength a magnitude of strength that I wouldn't wish anybody would have to go through the same experiences to have but I have this strength I have this strength because I've went through those things and that's why I am the way that I am and I don't tolerate the bullshit 
when it comes to anything, but especially when it comes to dating, because I still very much want what I want, but I know that it's just going to take um, some time. I know it's going to take some time for it to happen, and I'm not in a rush for it to happen. And at one point, I wasn't even open for it to happen because I took a lot of time to myself for myself to heal myself from the trauma so I wouldn't have the knee-jerk reactions that I would have when a person would do something. And I learned how to communicate better, and I learned how how to control my anger and I learned how to to trust with boundaries you know and I learned how to um I learned a lot I learned a whole lot I learned a whole lot and that's why I think and I know that I could definitely give some sound advice because I just be um you know analyzing I be analyzing online the interactions and you know I interact myself and I'm just like okay if I'm telling you in plain English something. It's plain English. I'm not talking no no slick talk. I ain't talking no slang. I'm talking straight plain English. And you're still confused about what I'm saying. There's an issue. There's this, this, there's a there's a disconnect. There's no connect there. You know, and I just recently had those experiences because oh my god. I've been talking for almost an hour. I don't think I'm going to get on at 11 o'clock. <laughs> Plus, unless I start getting dressed. <laughs> I'm literally still in my towel. I didn't, I thought like maybe 30 minutes. Oh, God. I'm going to go the whole hour. But um, I, I could start actually moving now and putting on clothes. Because <laughs> we have this wonderful technology, people, where you can... You can do that. You're going to hear some noises like drawers opening and all that good stuff. But um, anyway, so I, I just I just feel like I have I have the life experiences to to not only navigate my own well, but also advise others. But of course, I'm not going to really get out there and give advice to others um, just as yet. But what I will say is that I decided to... Um, in the interim of me healing and all of that, I got very, very, very spiritual. Um, and that is my foundation in everything that I do. Um, business-wide, I even I opened up... Well, you should know this already, but you might be a new listener. I opened up a cafe back in 2021 in the heart of the pandemic. Like, this is an all-around G, man. Ain't gonna act like I'm not no more because I is. And, you know, I'm a nerdy one, but I'm G is still a G. And not thinking nerdy G's have a... Um, have more of an edge because not only are they not scared, they they make you know bold decisions and they learn from it and they keep pressing forward you know and they ain't scared. So um, anyway, um, I decided to jump back into the dating game and um, I practice celibacy on a regular. I have plenty of toys. <laughs> I'm looking at two of them right now. Um, and then there's one over there. I got about four. One, two, three, four. They're all different too. I have one that's rose quartz. One that is like made of the cyber skin. So it feels real, looks real, can stick on the wall or the shower. Um, I have one that has like a rabbit. And um, it also is made to specifically touch your G-spot and vibrates at different vibration speeds. Um, I have a glass one that looks like a rose at the 
and then have twirls and it's pink and pretty like I, I got hey take care of me that way you know so and I, and I don't do it and then I have one that simulates cunnilingus um because cunnilingus is one of my favorite things it's one of my favorite things and um of course um I've had the best of the best when it comes to um deck (laughs) so for me you know that's not like a big deal to me it's it's an important thing don't get it twisted I'm not saying it's not important I'm just saying it's not um the the priority for me it's on the list but it's not like on the top of the list so on the top of the list is the character on the top of the list is you know um the the matching of the personalities you know because being an entrepreneur being um a mom being a entertainer a singer being a podcast host being a public speaker I have a a uniqueness about me and a boldness about me and you know um but I still have the gentleness and I still have <clears throat> the core values and the discipline so with that it's like you know um, it has to fit it has to fit you know because what you may think is a response that will come from a person that doesn't have all those qualities that's not the same way to interpret it from me because I'm unique but you would only discover that when you invest the time and I had to learn you know through um, other people's healthy relationships that really you know the not per se the roles but just the what am I looking for to say the innate like just the natural ways that um, a man is and a woman is and I know that has been um, very grayed it's a very gray area nowadays because we have um, men that want to be women we have women that want to be men we have men that actually have become women like they got titties and all that stuff and then we have women who take off their titties and hey I think like it's you each individual has the right to make whatever decision they want to make with their body now me per se you know um I like my natural self you know I, I love my natural self actually um now there are parts of me during certain times of the month where I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I may pout a little bit. I may even talk about it in a negative way, you know? But um, once that week is done, and yes, that week comes every month, but once that week is done, I'm like, woohoo! I'm a woman. I love it. I love being a goddamn old woman, you know? Because we... Especially when you just have the experiences that I've had, we can, and the intuition and all of that good stuff, and you take the time to actually develop yourself spiritually. It's like, wow, 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 wow. 
that's how it feels. It just feels like, wow, because you can see things and sense things and feel things. And, and it gives you such an insight, you know. And um, I appreciate that. I really do. And I'm not saying that guys are not intuitive and don't have sixth sense. Because if you develop it, as human beings, we all have sixth sense. You know, we all have intuition. Um, but it's as a natural thing for a woman. And when a woman decides to develop it within herself, it's like, whoa. So it's like, I already know. Um, now sometimes, uh, I don't, (laughs) but anyway, I've decided to jump back into the dating scene and, um, I met a person I like a lot, you know, but they displayed some behaviors that are just like, I would not accept and I don't accept. And I'm just at this point waiting to see. Not not dating and waiting to see, but just waiting to see how they're going to correct themselves. You know, I'm not going to tell them to correct themselves because initially um, we had a, a similar lack of communication and um, I expressed myself very directly and verbally and, you know, I know they got it, but then they did it again very shortly afterwards and they did it on a very special occasion and I was like oh they didn't get it so you know at first I was concerned because they very they expressed as if they got it and then they um they just kind of shocked me when they did when they behaved that way again to the point where I was worried I was like maybe they're not okay maybe something happened I was getting ready to go to the precincts and look for this motherfucker and then when I finally had um, a friend of mine, because I made some sacrifices with my with my child, who's now an adult, but um, I, my mother intuition kicked in and I did what I did, you know, it, it cost me a job, it cost me three months of income, it cost me my going to my gym for two months, it cost me a lot, but... I don't regret it because right now that sacrifice has landed him in a better position, me with better opportunities, and I'm recovering from the from the physical things that was that seemed to be lost. Like I really didn't lose anything. <coughs> you know what I mean? I wouldn't have even seen these better opportunities if I was still working at um, doing that overnight security position. I wouldn't have even noticed it. I wouldn't have been even thinking about probably even re-enrolling in school or any of that stuff. So it, the sacrifice was worth it, you know. But it did have an effect. And one of those effects was that I didn't have no communications for a good month. You know, um, my phone down, um, which is why I haven't done any podcast shows. My internet down to my internet still down. You know, this is this is a miraculous thing right now. I would have to go out and get on Wi-Fi to communicate with the outside world. And I took that opportunity to get more in tune with God and get more in tune with what God wanted me to be doing with my life, you know? So, with that being said, um, 
it was very tricky to date with no phone, you know, and, um, I, I didn't come out and be like, and, and just put all that out there, because I'm like, hey, I can still communicate, and I have to have boundaries anyway, I have shit to do with my life anyway, so, they don't need to know the details, but I'm sharing the details now, because I'm just being transparent, and I no longer care, because, again, there's going to have to be boundaries. There's going to have to be times where you don't have access. And what I learned, oh, look at that tummy though. Oh, I see you. Oh, I wish these locks was just not in this in-between stage because they would be look really cute right now if they wasn't. They in this in-between stage and I just cannot show them people. I'm just, I'm, I have to go get them professionally, not to get off the subject, but I got to get them professionally, um, fixed. Because <laughs> I started them, and they cute, don't get me wrong, I even colored them and everything. And they cute, but I need to go to Napstar and get the hook up. Because I see, I, first of all, that was my original plan to go to Napstar. But Napstar starts at like $500 to do your locks, man. And I was like, I ain't got $500, but I want my locks now. So I started them myself. And I like them. But because I started them myself and then I got the little tool and did the interlocking thing. So they would lock real quick. You know, and I've... Uh, I haven't been moisturizing them every day like I probably should have been moisturizing them every freaking day. Um, I lost a couple. So, I saved them because I know that um, Napstar, and this is not a commercial for Napstar, but if you want locks, Napstar is the best of the best. I've studied them for years. I worked around the corner from them, and then I literally saw a sister a couple of weeks ago and I was like girl your locks look good where you get them done at I thought she was gonna tell me somewhere local when she told me Napstar I was like say no more I'm going I'm going so they could get my life together so um I'm more careful with them now you know with moisturizing them because you need to moisturize them a lot like daily you gotta moisturize them and I learned that the hard way when I started losing them. <laughs> they motherfuckers start breaking off. Like, oh shit. Goddamn locked and broke off. Where you going, lock? Get get back here. You supposed to be connected to my scalp. What the what the hell? So yeah, I lost a few locks. But um I feel like I got away from the whole dating thing because I went into like my whole life, but, um, and I, and I can't even continue the conversation because I have life to life living to do, basically traveling to do business to take care of, but I will be back. I will be back to come back. It will be a part two to, to dating because we need to, we need to get it correct. We women. We need to get it right. Um, and, and a lot of us are getting it right. I, I will say that. And I, I commend you women that are. For like all in your authenticity. And your um, feminine essence. And embracing that and what that is. And you know I appreciate the brothers. 
oh my God, the brothers who are just like taking accountability and seeing, because a lot of brothers, they, they feel or have felt intimidated because they're like, well, they don't need me for nothing. And it's like, no, we do. We do. We definitely do. But what are we supposed to do in the meantime, between time, while needing you? And we don't have the family structure um, that's going to support us. We got to do it ourselves, man. And it doesn't mean that we're masculine and we're not feminine. It just means that we had to adapt. And us adapting does not take away from us needing you. We still need you. But because we've had to adapt, you have to be mindful of that. And you have to come and approach us in a certain way. You can't approach us in a way like that is just superficial because that's not going to mean nothing to us. You know what I mean? We're taking care of superficial needs. We need we need you beyond the superficial. So that's that's the whole gesture of where I'm going with this relationship and with this dating advice. But I wanted my listeners, if you didn't know me, know more about me, to know that I have the full authority to do so. I'm not doing this off of um, reading. I'm doing this off of my own life experiences. (laughs) Baby, that's looking cute today. That's looking real cute today is all I got to say. And I'm tempted to put on these these shoes hell that will give me some height I like them but they do look like slippers you know and it's like they like the Uggs they like the flip flop they like the Ugg flip flops you know Uggs was really not supposed to be worn outside so even though they give me a little height all that shit I'm I'm gonna just put on some sneakers be a little regular anyway thank you for tuning into the super tea podcast show make sure you click the links in the bio know that the links in the bio are for you they are to um support you support your growth support your development as a person so do please be sure to click the links in the bio thank you so much for tuning in and part two is coming um possibly today if I don't decide to go sing it'll come today if I do decide to go sing it'll come tomorrow but thank you for tuning into the super tea podcast show